Hi, it's Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. I'm Chip Stewart, and welcome to the Worthy of Sea podcast. And um, this morning, I uh, booted up my Christianity app and uh, got a very peculiar message. It said, Christianity failed to start correctly last time due to adultery with the world system and the infiltration of false teachers. Then it asked me, would you like to restart Christianity in safe mode? No, well, I thought about it for a minute or two, and, and then I clicked on OK. So I, I say this as an illustration of what we see around us in Christianity writ large. It seems that as we look around us, yet another leader of the faith has failed us, has defected to the other side, if you will, or has been working for the other side all along. You hear their theology, and it, it doesn't square with what the Bible says. And it, and it seems to be happening more and more. And these leaders are buying in, are all bought into the, the world system and trying to get as much out as they can and making deals with the world system. And, you know, you can't help but think something is really wrong here. And it almost makes you think, like, maybe we are in the midst of the, the great apostasy that, that the scriptures tell us about, you know, great falling away. I mean, it certainly seems that way. People are chasing after leaders of the faith and, and types of faith that are off the reservation when it comes to, to the, the plain reading of the Scripture. I, I don't know if it's the great falling away, um, but it sure seems like it. Um, you know, as we look around us, it seems like the Bride of Christ is, is being assailed um, by enemies from both without, from both without and, and within. Um, you know, and, and, and what are we to do? do? You know, do we just give up hope? You know, it seems like you know we're we're kind of like on the losing side here or something like that. But I, I can assure you that that we're not, because I, I'd like to read to you what Jesus says about his church, and that the church that he builds will prevail. So in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it reads, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So here, Jesus is saying, he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So no matter how desperate times seem, how foregone the church seems to have been, 
Christ is still building his church and it will prevail. And when he says on this rock, a lot of the interpreters look back to the, the, the proclamation of Peter when he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The church is built on this truth, the truth about Jesus Christ being the son of the living God. Now we have to think though that you know this building up the church doesn't just happen by itself. That's the way God works. He works through us and it takes takes us those who are faithful to Christ to help build the church. It takes the believers led by the spirit. Again, he's working through us. You know, you think about you know how we're how did God pe- call people to repentance? It was through his saints. You know, how did he spread the gospel message? It was through his apostles. How did he build his church since the beginning? By his saints. Okay, again, he works through us, so we can't sit idly by and and let this this happen. We we have a job to do. We have a mission to help Christ build his church. You know, we think about him, the son of the living God, whom we worship and serve. And let us worship him in spirit and truth and let us remain faithful to him in our lives and our conduct um, in the church and, um, and in every breath that we, uh, that we breathe. But, you know, how, how, do we, how do we continue to build his church when everything seems to be crumbling around us? You know, the unfaithful ministers, the wayward congregants, those who worship a different Jesus, um, those who proclaim a different gospel, all claiming to be Christian, and yet they're not. But how, how do we do this? Well, I'm going to ask some questions, maybe some things to think about, you know, as we think about our walk with Christ and, and the church, the fellowship of believers. So the first one would be, you know, what or who is the authority in the church? You know, is it some really intelligent man? Is it is it shareholders? Is it is it worldly applause? No, it's Jesus Christ, and He is the Word of God. You know, if you believe that, you know, something like the Bible says is not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults, I, I would beg to differ, because when you when you look through it, who who is what is the Bible? It's the Word of God, right? Well, who is the Word? It's Jesus Christ. So basically, you're saying that when it, when we say Jesus says, and you and you're saying that's not adequate as a starting or returning point, something is flawed in your theology and your thinking because that is the point. Because Jesus said he is he is the all powerful Lord God. So he is the authority of the church. So we need to read his word. We need to read about him. We need to see what he says in the Bible. And I would argue, get back to the basics. Get back to the instructions that he gives us within the Bible. Um, One of the things that we have to be cognizant of is this world places lenses over our eyes by which to interpret things, and it affects the way we interpret the Bible. And we've all listened to many teachers growing up and different... um, ways they have told us to interpret different parts of the Bible. Well, we need to step back and like the noble Bereans, go back to the word and see if it is so, if what we have been taught is really true. And if so, praise God. 
absolutely praise God. I'm not saying everything is wrong. We just need to make sure that what we believe about the Bible is true because we do look at it through perspectives that the world gives us through schooling, through the news, through movies, whatever it is. And that can taint the way we interpret what God is trying to tell us in his word. We need to, we need to look at it afresh. We need to look at it with fresh eyes. This is very important. You know, we have to, we have to acknowledge those things that we have laid over the Bible that, that detract from what it's saying. And it kind of goes back to something that, that, I, that I have heard is that the church is always reforming. And, and I think that is a good way of looking at it. Reforming meaning, to me, always going back to the, to the foundation, always going back to the Bible and seeing if what we're doing corresponds with what the Bible says. So we need to ask ourselves, based on this, are our priorities correct? Um, are we, have we started to do God's job, either knowingly or unknowingly, in the church, trying to do what He does as opposed to relying on Him for those things that He promised, promises us? You know, as a church, what are, we, what are we doing that Christ tells us not to do? And then what are we not doing what He does tell us to do? We have to ask ourselves, are we too complacent? Are we too comfortable in the world system that we're placed and, and kind of just kick back and think everything is, is just fine and let things happen around us? You know, I, I believe I read this in, in a previous podcast, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, talks about this friendship with the world system being too, I would say, too comfortable in it. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God." And this is what I was referring back to the, the, the example I was giving about the, the, you know, quote, Christianity app, unquote. I don't really have an app that's called that. Um, but it talks about committing adultery with the world system. In verse 4, you adulterous people. And it's talking about friendship with the world and being at enmity with God. We need to ask ourselves that. You know, as believers, as the church, are we too friendly with the world system, which is at odds, as I talked about in, in the podcast about the world system, it is, it is irreconcilable differences between the two. You can't, Christianity and the world system don't go together. Okay? Let's be clear about that. So we also have to ask ourselves, what is dividing us as a church, as the body of Christ? Because Christ tells us in his high priestly prayer, if I remember correctly, that he wants us to be unified as his body. And so what, what's causing this division that we see throughout Christianity? And, you know, if it's, a, if it's a division based upon people being basically heretical, then, then that's understandable. You, you do not want to associate with those who are, who are heretics. 
Um, but if it is division between Bible-believing, Christ-following um, believers, then, then what's causing that? You know, we, we have to ask ourselves um, from Romans 14, verse 4, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So are we trying to place standards on other believers and exclude them or 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 cut them out or you know or divide ourselves for something that that shouldn't be something that the Bible doesn't tell us to do that about you know are we being unfair toward our fellow Christians you know God warns us you know, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another you know if they worship a little bit differently you know, are you are you excluding them because of that? You know, if it is biblical, you have to be very careful about that. And then also we have to ask ourselves, who has crept into the church unaware? In Jude, um, it talks in, in verses 3 and 4, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to, eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for, their, for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So this, this um, highlights, this reinforces what I was saying about we have work to do. He says, he says here, he's appealing to us to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We must contend for the faith. And then he talks about for certain people have crept in un- unnoticed, ungodly people. So what are we to do about it? Probably identify them. And use church discipline for them, give them an opportunity to repent. And if they do not bring them before the church, you know, give them that last opportunity to repent and then put them out of the church. Because as we've seen with, with Christianity crumbling around us, or at least looks like it, a lot of it is because of these people who have crept in, these infiltrators who have undermined the word of God, the faith, and, and, and wrecking the church. So, you know, what do we do? In Jude, um, verses 17 through 21, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own, unly, un, their own ungodly passions. We're certainly seeing that, aren't we? It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So here's talking about in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. I think we're seeing that in spades these days. They cause divisions, they're worldly people, and they're devoid of the Spirit. But what does he tell us here? He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So he's telling us to continue building ourselves up in the faith and praying in the Spirit. And also to keep ourselves in the love of God, 
waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. He's telling us to be faithful. He's telling us to be faithful. So I've talked about the adultery with the world and the world systems. And we need to reject worldly schemes within the church. Um, one scripture that came to mind for the people of the church is Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, where it says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, her being Babylon, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So in some ways, you could almost see Babylon continuing on to today with the world system. It could almost be synonymous with it. And here we're being told to come out of her, lest we take part in her sins. Are we, are we aware of that in our daily lives of the world system and, and how it entices us to sin? God tells us to come out of her because we do not want to take part in those sins. We want to keep ourselves pure and holy for our God. James talks about this in chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So he's telling us to keep ourselves unstained from the world. Revelation's talking about not taking part in the sins of the world. There's the communication from the world, these, you know, these philosophies, theories, all this sort of stuff that clouds our thinking, our right thinking about what God tells us in the Bible. And it's those things that we have to keep ourselves pure from. So you must take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. You must be discerning. Everything you're being told, you must question. You must put it up against the Word of God and see if it is something that you should be doing or believing. We have to ask ourselves, are we allowing the world to interpret the Word of God for us? You know, like the science. Is the science telling us how to interpret the Word of God? I would say evolution is an example of this, which is a false gospel, which I believe I'll talk about in the future, God willing. When, when I talk about, you know, are we trying to do God's work as opposed to letting Him do His work, one thing that... that um, I think of is, you know, do we trust the Lord to bring his saints to our churches? If we are faithful in our churches, will not God bring the saints to us to be part of our churches? Or do we not trust that and take matters into our own hands and use worldly schemes in an effort to grow the sizes of our churches? And I would say probably one um, effect of that is that you pull in a lot of people who aren't believers, who do not have the Spirit in them as members of your churches. Now, don't, mis don't misunderstand me here. You know, we do bring folks who are not believers in to hear the gospel as guests and things like that. But if you're growing your church and you have members who are not Christians and then they, they get elevated within the leadership of the church and they start making decisions... The church has been compromised. And I think as believers, we need to stand on the foundation 
of our Lord Jesus Christ and his word and do not compromise. He is worth it. So a question popped in my head. Am I, am I, am I calling for reformation? I suppose I am in a way. I think I am, I mean, at the bottom, at the, at the end of the day, I'm calling us for us to be faithful, faithful to our Lord and Savior. You know, what, what, are, we, what are we potentially seeing right now? We, we're potentially seeing the beginning of the purification of the body of Christ. And I think that may play out with persecution as the true body of Christ separates itself from the world and the direction that it's heading. We all have to ask ourselves day to day, you know, what voice are we hearing? Are we hearing the voice of our good shepherd? Or are we, are we heeding another voice? Please listen and obey the voice of the good shepherd because he is good. He is good. And everything that he has you do is for your good and his glory. Please remember that. Don't, don't go off the reservation. Start following worldly schemes. Follow the good shepherd. Hear his voice. We must choose this day whom we will serve. We have very interesting times ahead of us. And I, I will tell you, it's going to be a lot easier now following the Savior, it, it chain, it just purifying ourselves now than waiting. It'll be much pain, more painful down the road. He calls us to obedience. He calls us to be faithful to Him. He's our Lord and Savior. We have a Father in heaven. All good things come from Him. Trust them. Trust them with your whole life. You will not regret it. May the Lord bless you and your family. Amen.